Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. My name is Dorothy, and I am from Pittsburgh, even though right now I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, and I might get to a little bit about why in a few minutes, but I'm really grateful to Rebecca for inviting me to be here. I have been in program for 39 and a half years, and that means that I spent most of my life in program. And I'm really, like, to me, that's kind of amazing that this has been my life. And when I I know at points in my program, I felt people must think something's wrong with me because I still need it. But now I realize, I look at it like people going to church. You don't go to church for a year and then say, I'm done. You know, this is something that I do because of what I'm getting from the program. So I'm going to... um, talk about what it was like for me because that was that's been extremely important because for me to appreciate where I am today uh, I I enjoy chances like this to talk about where I was before I um, was overweight I always considered myself overweight from the time I was very young and maybe I was or wasn't people call me chubby but by time I was in second grade, I was definitely had a weight problem. And uh, put on my first diet when I was in fourth grade. And after I lost 20 pounds, uh, even though I was not at a normal size or what I by charts should have been, I was taken off the diet and within, that was fourth grade by sixth grade, I put that weight back on and more. So I was always, ways um overweight never saw myself as normal size and the thing about all of this is is that i had um emotions that i really want to focus on because i i can't really tell you much about what i ate i was oblivious i did not make the connection that food and size went together even though I was put on diets when I was young, uh, I just did not put that association, did not um, compute with me. So anyway, but what I can tell you about myself was that I lived in fear. I lived in so much fear and it was fear of people, um, not so much fear of anyone in my family, but just fear of people. Fear of life is really what I think it is and what life what could happen to someone. And so a lot of my fears were, might have started as something that happened and then it just spread and became like something that I took in internally and said, I will always be afraid of this. So when I was growing up, um, at one point my family moved to a new neighborhood and in this neighborhood, uh, people would sick their dogs on people and I was one of them. And so I developed a fear of dogs, a big fear of dogs. Now in the meantime, my sisters had the same experience, but they were not afraid of dogs. So what was the experience? You know, it was, uh, I internalized that. Uh, Fear of people, um, 
And my fear of people, I think a lot had to do with feeling judged and wanting and needing perfection to be perfect. And so I, all, I just, I'm just trying, I'm fumbling here because Cece said so much of what I was experiencing. And so that kind of fear of people where I wasn't good enough and I needed to do better. I had a sister who skipped the grade. She made all A's in school and they skipped her ahead a grade. And so my grades could not be good enough because I got B's, A's and B's, and sometimes a C. And so therefore, I, no, I was not good enough. Uh, I, I, I could have been better. And that's how I always thought about that. Had a fear of people watching me and seeing me and judging me. So what ended up happening when at the end of my sixth grade year in the summertime, I spent the whole summer in the house and people would ask my mother what, where I was. Was I a camp? Was I away somewhere? And I went to work during the day. And so I just spent the whole summer in the house. And that became for me this really overdeveloped fear of going outside and of being seen. Now, when I was younger, I was always outside playing, running down to the playground, whatever. But after that summer, I was always in the house and always felt like people are watching me if I was outside and judging me. And of course, as they were judging me, I was coming up short. And so that followed me well, 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 well into adulthood, that feeling of being judged. The only reason I did not become, uh, my parents would never allow me to stay home from school. So I had to go to school and I did go to school. I did you know, get a job and everything else um, after college. But that fear that, of being watched and being seen and the world was focused on me. <laughs> you know, like nothing else to look at but Dorothy when she's outside. So that's kind of thing that was going on with me. I, um, in high school, I felt like those were some of the worst years of my life until I went to college and then that was pretty bad too. But and again, because I didn't, I didn't fit in and that's how I saw it. I didn't fit in. I felt like I was teased because of my size and I have come to, I became a teacher. And so in program, in watching students and how they react to students, especially those who have a weight problem, I noticed one thing that almost all the students do not pay attention. There might be a few students who are, who will tease or say something. And that was really insightful for me because I realized that I focus on people who um, maybe were, were teasing me. The vast majority of students in the school uh, could care less about me, didn't notice me or anything else, but my focus were on the people who did notice me. I, in high school, I had a few friends, very few friends. I didn't participate in any of the activities too much in school and I just hated it because we had a humongous school and I had to walk between classes and whatever. And um, at some point in my misery, my mother took me to a doctor who gave, put me on a diet pills. And so I was on diet pills for about, 
I think about three weeks, but I think I stayed awake for three weeks. And then, so they took me off. So between fourth grade and I think about 10th grade, those were my two experiences with dieting. My, um, once I became a senior in high school and I knew I was going away to college, I decided I had to make college a different experience in high school. And that was the first time I ever tried to lose weight, weight on my own. And so I went to a weight loss program and it was really worked well, except for one thing. I was well over 200 pounds and you cannot lose weight in a summer that will make you a normal size. And so I went to school uh, overweight, thinking I learned something about eating. I just need to follow this food plan because it wasn't an unhealthy food plan. I was gonna follow this food plan and continue to lose weight. And that lasted about, I don't know, maybe a week. And then I was back into the food because I was back into uh, the, the stress of seeing people um, not fitting in, um, just feeling, just afraid of the people even at the school. I went to a school where that used to be a all male school and they had, um, it had become co-ed about three or four years before I got there. So you had this big group, it was still more male dominant than, than there were female. And what they would do is uh, sometimes the guys would stand outside the cafeteria or canteen and if they saw somebody that they thought they didn't need help or were ugly or whatever, they would throw money so you could get money so you because you need to fix yourself up. So, huh, so my fear, I would never ever go to the cafeteria by myself. I had to be with a group so that some money were, was thrown. It would be like, it didn't have to be for me. And so, you know, it was one of those kind of situations that, um, thank you. So it was one of those situations they again made me real paranoid and whatever. When I finished uh, college, I wanted to get a job and the, uh, with a school district in Pittsburgh. And when I went for the interview, uh, the, pers the personnel man told me that they didn't hire people who weighed as much as I did. I weighed too much, I had a weight standard. And so um, I was devastated and so embarrassed and shamed. And I went home and decided I had to lose this weight. But this tells me what a compulsive overeater I am because instead I ate over the shame, I ate over the embarrassment and everything else. Instead of losing weight, I put on more weight. And what ended up happening, because my father knew somebody, I got into, I got the job kind of through the back door and I started working for the school district. And every once in a while, I would get a letter in the mail saying, I, my file was not complete. I need to send in a picture. They need pictures of the people who work for them. And so I went to turn, turn in picture because if I did, the personnel director would see how heavy I was and I could lose my job. So I had to wait three years. So I had tenure when no one could fire me. And then I finally sent this picture in. And, um, but you know, that kind of like fear of losing my job. And, uh, I want to go real quick because I want to get to my 39 years. <laughs> uh, what ended up happening, uh, 
I'm going to go skip ahead to one part was that there was a lot of controversy on my job at one point and really tense, stressful time for everybody. And I couldn't not handle it. And I decided um, one day I just got hysterical. I could not stop crying. And I was out driving not near home. And I still lived with my parents at the time. And on the way home, I decided I needed to, um, I wanted to kill myself. And I thought, boy, what, what should I do? And if I, if I drive into a telephone pole, I might survive. And so I couldn't figure out a way to kill myself. And so I went home and I was crying and my mother um, happened to have tranquilizers and she gave me some, which kind of calmed me down. And but as soon as anything wore off, I start all this hysteria again. And so um, I went to a doctor and he gave me some, my own tranquilizers with about 30 refills. And at that point I knew about Valley of the Dolls. I did not want to be addicted and so I knew that was crazy. And so I just would take the medicine occasionally. And uh, one time I went for a refill and the pharmacist said, no, you can't get any more refills. He gave me that and said, that was it. He wasn't going to refill it 30 times. And so I had this little bottle of pills um, in my dresser and I knew I had to really be careful about when I took them because they were going to run out. I didn't know how to get, I didn't know I could go to another doctor and get a new prescription. I mean, none of that stuff was part of my thing. And so I had these pills because I always felt afraid that at some point I was going to lose it completely. And then like, because I, something was going to happen and I was going to lose it because if I could lose it that much because of stress at work, what would happen if my mother died or something else more tragic happened? I would not be able to handle it. So these little pills were in my dresser drawer. So um, I, um, but in the meantime, I'm still, you know, um, overweight. I think my top weight was 245 pounds. And what would happen is I would go on diet, maybe take off a few and, uh, the diet would end and I would start eating again. And so finally I got to a point where if I could just take some weight off, maintain that weight loss until I had another diet in me and I could take some more off. And that was my plan to lose weight and get to normal size is to diet, maintain, diet, maintain. Well, that doesn't work for me either. Uh, and not because I'm a compulsive overeater. And what happened is that my sister... Uh, went to OA, to an OA meeting. She came back and said, Dorothy, you have to try this meeting. And I'm going to tell you that I thought the sun rose and set in my sister. Anything she said was gospel. And so she put her stamp of approval on OA and we went to a meeting and that was June 18th, 1981. And we went to that meeting and I sat in that meeting and because there were so many, it was a small meeting, but so many of us were new, they decided to do a newcomers meeting and they explained the tools and they shared about their compulsion and how program was helping them. And they talked about this disease we had and that we were powerless over it. And I mean, it was just like my whole world to open up. It was like, oh my gosh, somebody understands. I now understand what's going on. I have a disease. 
And um, my sister went to a few meetings and then she quit away. Um, but I didn't care at that point. And I don't care if my sister liked it or not. I was so hooked and I was hooked on the fellowship. I was hooked on the honesty in the program. I was hooked on that somebody finally understood and could explain to me what was happening with me and the food. And so I got, I was so happy that um, I was addicted to sugar that I flew, I took sugar off my food plan immediately. And I'm so glad that I was able to do that because um, it was very easy for me to do um, initially. And so I, by the time I started wanting sugar again, I had been in program like a good year. And so I had a solid foundation behind me so that I didn't need to pick it up again. But uh, I had a good first year, a really strong honeymoon year in OA. And um, for me, I was going, I began away in the summer when I didn't work. And what happened is that I was in isolation, didn't like to go out, had very few friends. So I was going to meetings. I went to five meetings a week initially, and I would have gone to seven, but I didn't want anyone to think I was overdoing it. And so I said, well, okay, I only go to five a week. And every in the two days I didn't, I really wanted to be at a meeting. I I love to read, love to go to the library, but all of a sudden I could not read novels. All I could do was pick up pamphlets. And at that point, we didn't have um, very many OA books. I think we had the four today, but we used the big book and I, we had pamphlets and the uh, AA's 12 and 12. So I that's all I could read. And that's, I was concerned with it. The one of the great things about program is that when people saw, when people were new and they're very enthusiastic, uh, old timers and people who are around really kind of enjoy that. And so people would call me. And so now I get phone calls from people. And because I don't think I made too many phone calls at that point, but uh, people would call me. And finally, I had you no, know, this person who spent the whole summer normally just in isolation and not going out of the house, all of a sudden have people who were calling me and who seemed interested in me and who smiled when I came into a room. And it was like, oh, all of a sudden I came off, I was, a, I was no longer wallpaper. You know, people knew my name, they, they hugged me, they wanted me around, they would call me, ask me how I'm doing. And that was so, I think to this day, this is why meetings are the most, uh, my most, my favorite tool. If I could have a favorite tool, meetings would be it. And I think because I still react to seeing people's faces, seeing people smile, seeing people nod, people happy to see me. Um, I know one of the first meetings that I was asked to chair or whatever, pick a topic for, and I picked uh, self-esteem. And, I, and so we were talking about it. And I, and I guess I shared how little self-esteem I had. And the next week I was at a meeting and I don't know what I was sharing. And this person came up to me and said, you really don't have any self-esteem, do you? And I'm like, wow, was it that evident? And it was, a, it was true. I, had, I was so filled with self-hatred about all kinds of things about myself, did not really care for anything about myself, my body, my looks. 
um, my personality, everything was a negative, a negative, a negative. And um, one of the things I did, and this is around body image, uh, I knew that I didn't like my body and that somehow I had to make peace with my body. And I, this is not original, I heard this from somewhere. So someone suggested that, um, so what they did was they stood in front of the mirror naked and they said, they said, this is my face, this is my hands. I mean, it just went through the whole body, naming this is whatever. Um, I did it for a month just to say, this is who I am. Then the next phase was to say, um, I don't know, remember all the phases, but one of the phases was then um, I like my hair, I like my face, I like whatever, and go through your whole body. And I would do that for, I forget, maybe a month, I forget how long. And the last phase was that I love, I love my hair, I love my face, I love, blah, 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 blah. you know, go through all parts of the body. And I did this every single day for a year until I got to a point where I could have some body acceptance. And Today, I still look at my body and see all the flaws and everything, but today I don't, um, I don't hate myself. I don't hate my body. And I'm really appreciative of what my body's been doing for me all these years and how it hangs in, even at my age, it's hanging in. I gotta say today I have a severe backache. And so uh, you'll see me turn the camera off later so I could do some stretching and twisting. But anyway, um, I appreciate my body. And, uh, I, and I began to do this self-love thing. And I don't know how this came about. I know it came about because people in program loved me and, and, and welcomed me and came to a point where I could actually say, I love myself. I can remember saying that to my students and I go, can you say that? I go, yes, because it's true. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect or anything else like that, but I really do love myself. I really do think I'm a terrific person. And, um, and that doesn't mean um, I don't make mistakes or anything, but I'm just lovable. And if I'm lovable, so is everybody else because I'm not unique. And that part of that comes through well, how I worked my spiritual part of the program. I came into program not having a spiritual program and not wanting a spiritual program, asking, can I stay? Cause I don't want, I'm not interested in God and people say I could stay. And so um, I was able to develop my own concept of a higher power and one that worked for me. And so my, I, and I would have my higher power say to me, what I wanted someone to say. And that was that how much I was loved, how much I was appreciated, how tickled my higher power was that my higher, higher power made me. And, and to another, I was saying that about everybody that he made. And so therefore I was not unique. And so um, but that really helped me. That I have a higher power who is only interested in my best. And so I struggled sometimes with, um, I struggled with turning my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. Because for me, especially initially, that higher power was the God that I was brought out with, you know, the fear of God and everything else. And I thought, why would I turn my will over to somebody I fear? That doesn't sound sane to me. And so I had to come up with a concept of a higher power 
that was all loving, all caring. And so when I turn my higher uh, will over to a higher power, it's more like, not that my higher power has this agenda that has nothing to do with me. I'm turning my will over because my higher power has a big picture. My higher power is saying, boy, Dorothy, if you do it this way, this is where it's going to be for your good and for the good of everybody else. And that's why I'm turning my will over. Not because, um, you know, I'm this puppet that's just being doing whatever something else wants me to do. But I'm, my higher power is saying, if you do it this way, you're going to get, this is for your good. I know it might not seem like it, but it is. And I often equate that with a scar I have on my knee from when I fell when I was young. When I fell, uh, I still had that scar, but it doesn't hurt anymore. And some of the things I've gone through in life you know, have hurt and there might be scars, but they um, don't. Okay, all right. It's probably me moving too much. Um, so anyway, I have this higher power. I look at it like the surgeon who cuts me open. The purpose of cutting me open is not to, to create pain, but to heal what is needs healing inside. And that's like my higher power. If I'm experiencing pain, it's because not be, because there's something that needs to be healed inside or to make my life better. And I'm not sure what that time will meant. But, well, um, that, that, is the, um, that is the last five minutes, the end of the okay, last five minutes. Okay, thank you. Uh, so um, that's what my higher power does is it brings things into my life so I can heal and grow and be a better person. I want to talk about this last year, um, you know, uh, with COVID and everything. Even before COVID, my life was changing a lot. Things were ending. It was all kinds of things. I, I used to keep tell people, well, now this is no longer in my life. This has stopped. This person has left my life. And it began before COVID. And then when COVID hit, I'm going like, wow, this is really ridiculous. Now I keep, all, everything I do in life has, has ha had to change. And so I thought about that and said, well, I'm not going to sit here. And um, I mean, obviously, I need to change. And something needs to change in my life here. And so I thought about, well, how am I going to do COVID and, and enjoy COVID? And I don't mean like the disease or anyone dying or anything else like that. I mean my own lifestyle here. And so I started doing things and figuring out how, how I was going to do life um, in lockdown. And so anyway, my sister you know, will tell people, Dorothy's one of the few people I know who thrives during this time because it was true. I just changed and thought, what do I need to do? Because I'm supposed to be happy, joyous, and free. I'm allowed that. That's what the big book says. And so how do I create that in my life? And so um, uh, now I, I was doing it fine, but now it's cold weather. And part of my, now I have to think again, how am I going to change in, in lockdown? Because it is too cold for me to spend the amount of time I did outdoors. And so I, I still working on that. But also during this time, my sister was diagnosed with liver cancer and stage four pancreatic cancer. And that's why I'm in St. Louis right now. And I'm here with my sister and my niece. And I'm looking at this because there is something in this for me. I lost my mother, father, and my other sister. And I always say, okay, God, you must have something in this for me. Because I can't believe that this is 
I mean, I know it's life and we're all going to die and there'll be pain, but there's something I'm going to get from this. So just in this, staying with my sister, I've been here like six weeks. And um, one of the things is I've gotten so much closer to my niece than I ever was before, really getting to know her. And I know that if, when, if and when my sister dies and she dies before me, that my niece and I will have a relationship that can carry on beyond um, my sister's death or illness. And the other thing is, this is real growth. I have hardly had to make any amends in the six weeks I've been here. I have kept my mouth shut and stayed out of their business. I quit trying to control. And I'm thinking, boy, what was I like other visits? You know, how much did I tell my sister? Well, I think she needs to do this and that and the other. And I have learned the program. This is growth and program for me. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. And don't open your mouth. It's none of your business. If this is not your house, they can run their household the way they want. And that to me is growth and program. And this is what I want to end with is that this is what program has given me. Uh, it's not just about my being able to keep my weight off. I've kept off about hundred pounds for the 30, um, uh, however long it took me to take the weight off. I've kept it off all, this, all these years. My food plan is not perfect all the time but I never go back into it full blown. No sugar is not on my food plan, that kind of thing. And um, I have to watch quantities sometime and stuff like that. But I keep coming back because I am stronger. I am a better person than I ever was before. And I feel that there's even more for me. I'll be stronger, more loving and everything else. And I hear you and I um, want to say thank you for people for listening and thank you for having me.